0: Could be someone who was loved like you. Tears a cry for the good times. Always you saw the bright side. You, the light came through. Someday, somewhere. looking for love.
1: With
2: If, if you, you Ask Me, we have our special, special guest, Auditor Clarence Mingo II. Is that right? Second? You said it right. <laughs> <laughs> you you <laughs> got it right. <laughs> yes. the second, not Junior.
3: The not, second. not Junior, but the second. <laughs> yeah. yep.
2: Awesome.
1: So we would just like to thank everyone for tuning in to If You Ask Me. Um, Mr. Mingo is taking over mm-hmm. the whole entire show. So this is our March Madness, so we've been doing a lot of interviews, but Mr. Ringo has the whole entire two hours um, for this show. So we will um, just briefly talk about our event that we have coming up Friday. Um, It's called Black Friday. We will have over 20 um, black vendors at the Taste of Trinity, which is 2600 South Hamilton Road. Mm -hmm. Um, So we invite everyone to come out. Children are allowed to come. Uh, to this event. So it's a great event. You can come out and shop black. Um so we would definitely appreciate if you guys would come out.
2: Five to nine PM.
1: Five to nine. And children are welcome. Until nine. All local vendors. Awesome. I'm excited. Yes. We love Black Friday. It's our favorite event. <laughs> and our children really love it. They yes. love to shop and talk to the vendors. And we actually have a kid vendor this time. So mm-hmm. really excited. He's gonna nice. be selling T shirts. So, Ten so years old.
2: Yeah.
3: Future um, p- entrepreneur. Yes. Here, huh? Yes.
1: So we want to have more kids coming to the event yep. and, you know, teaching them how to run their own businesses. Absolutely. So it's an exciting event. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like to say hello to our people that are joining us on Facebook. Um, we have Miss Tracy Taylor. She was asking where Clarence was at. He's here now. She said, <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> hello,
2: Miss Taylor.
1: <laughs> and we have Sierra. She's also joining us. So we Ms. thank Shanks. you guys. Um, yes. She's always on. She was. She's been on since we've been playing music. So she's an avid listener. She's always on. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who are um, who's listening from the app um, or on www.musoradio.com. We have listeners all over the world: United Kingdom, mm-hmm. Canada, Haiti, Somalia. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in with us um, on this mm-hmm. Tuesday. I guess we're going to go ahead and get into it
2: yes we're going to of course ask a few questions about Mr. Mingo if you would like to call in yourself ask questions join the conversation the phone number is 614-500-7339 we are taking calls all night if you'd like to call (laughs) so I'm going to just basically start with a few questions one thing that I do like to bring up on every show is we here believe um in the African teaching of Sankupa. So mm-hmm. go back and get it. I'm sure you probably know a nice amount about Amina Robinson. Yes. Yes. So that who is who inspires me in a lot of different ways. We like to bring it here. So we definitely would love to hear about where you come from so yeah. people know that they can go anywhere. Yeah.
3: No, thanks for uh, hey, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm grateful to be here. It's uh It's an honor uh, to be in such good company tonight. Um, So I'm from Canton, Ohio, uh, originally born and raised there. Um, uh, I will tell you, uh, let's go back maybe 250 years. I just completed a run through Ancestry.com and and learned that um, uh, my heritage uh, more proper is uh, from Togo uh, and Uh Ghana uh, uh, in, in East Africa. That's and um awesome. and so um but purpose, for purposes of the United States of America my, my family uh born and raised in Canton, Ohio. I'm one of six children born to Ruth and Clarence Mingo. And uh I don't know if you know a lot about uh, Canton, Ohio, but it's it's a blue collar town. It was a, a steel mill uh town in the 1970s and 1980s at least when I grew up. I was not the best kid in high school, probably completed high school with a maybe a 1.8 GPA. Wow. Um, uh, enlisted in the United States Army, uh, served in the first Persian Gulf War, and that, that really sort of became a, a turning point in my life because the Army gave me something I didn't know that I, I needed, and that was confidence. And um, so I completed my tour of duty in the Army, University went to college there for undergraduate and, and law school, and practiced law for ten years. Did some work as a child advocate. Oh wait, I oh all right, long <laughs> um, and then um, got um, involved in in public service um, and, and began serving as uh, the auditor of our county. But my my point about Canton and, 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 and going back and get getting it is that um, w- where you come from, those um, skills and abilities and the experience you have really becomes a beacon for the remainder of your life. And so if you're from Canton, Ohio, um, it's hard work, uh, it's it's all day, and it's about your family. That That's it. Um, Canton, Ohio in the 1970s and 80s was a hotbed for, for racism. Um, racism was at a premium in Canton for a city that had a lot of African Americans and obviously a lot of white Americans. It, it was indeed a melting pot, but segregated strongly so. Um, And I learned things in Canton, Ohio, growing up about people, places, and things. It very much was an education uh, from a social standpoint. And um, uh, I I thank God for my time there. I I really do. I learned a lot, became a young man there, and I certainly took some of those experiences out in the world with me. And here I am tonight with two great sisters.
1: Awesome. So how did you go from 1.6 grade point average kid to – going to
2: law school at OSU. completing in five years, yeah. all of it, I must say.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know what, um, Octavia, so I, I was with a group of uh, middle school to high school students this afternoon at the uh, YMCA. And, and some of these students have challenges. It may be behavioral or academic, and know I was talking to them about how people think generally if you wear a suit and tie and you and you've obtained any measure of success that you have it all together it's just this assumption that if you look the part you are the part and you're you're, you're perfect on some level and the truth is that's not the story for most of us it's, it's certainly not not my story and what I've learned is that people people can be in different places in life so when I was a uh, you know a teenager graduating high school and and sort of navigating through academic challenges, had some modest behavioral issues. Um, I was a different person. I was at a different point in life, but um, time, circumstance, and maturity helps a lot. And and I'll say this. I mean, I matured in the Army. I matured as a result of the the Persian Gulf War and learned that that I was never going to be the smartest person in the room, but that I could work longer than most people. I learned something about stamina. And so that's that's really how I changed that, that, that grade point or academic situation. Clarence Mingle is never going to be the smartest person in the room. I'm probably always going to be a B or, or C student. Uh, that's okay because um, the goal is not to be perfect but just to be excellent, right? It's mm-hmm. never perfection. None of us will be not in this life, but we can be um, excellent, right? Not perfection but but excellent. So stamina, I you know, learned I'd have to work longer and harder and all day long where other people would stop studying, I'd still be working, working, working. Right. And so, um, you know, a little bit of maturity and an understanding I didn't have to you know, meet uh, some expectation or standard to, to succeed. Uh, I didn't have to be perfect. I could be excellent, at least in the little space that I was creating for myself. Mm-hmm. So,
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, that speaks volumes because that's what we definitely like to hear mm-hmm. people's stories when they come on the show It's like, you see where they are right now, but we need you to understand where they come from.
3: Y- I, um, Octavia, you're right. Y- we, you're right about that. We need people to understand um, where, in this case, I, I come from. And um, uh, But I think it's really important right now for our young people to understand that um, a grade point GPA mm-hmm. right now in real time doesn't have to be the defining moment of their life. I think sometimes we push young people too much to you know to get that 4.0 or or, or to get that 3.5, and and certainly, like I said, we want um, as adults or children, we want people striving for excellence. But if excellence in your space is a 2.8, do that 2.8 all day. I mean, mm-hmm. that it, listen, that that's your space. You occupy it, and just be excellent in that zone. Again, I mean, n- none of us are going to have it all together. Whatever that's supposed to mean, none of us have it, and none right. of us ever will. Right? right. We've all got some challenges, whether self-inflicted or perhaps given to us by somebody else. Right. We're all working through stuff and trying to overcome. And um, each day we arrive at a different place, right? Right. I'm here with you tonight telling the story. It is what it is. And not perfect, but I'm just trying to be excellent uh, in the, you know little space God has carved out for me. Well,
1: and I come from a background of social services, so I worked in social work. And so I totally understand, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover because – you have to understand that some people have to go through those things in order to make themselves better. Yeah. You know, and it's all about self-determination and it's about what it is that you want to pursue in life right. so that you can get to that next level. Mm-hmm.
3: N- no, I, you know, I, I think you're right about that, Octavia. And I would um, I would add to that that uh, these experiences um again whether self-inflicted or perhaps it's something else that's happened to you in life well beyond your your control those weaknesses uh, very much can induce strength in your life in, in different ways. I think about my my parents and, and, and some of the things they endured um, and I think about how you know those experiences very much help shape us even the bad ones, right I mean, Know, my parents sort of giving life back to us as they experienced it. Even some of those very difficult uh, d- uh, experiences, um, good or bad, uh, in many ways have sort of shaped me. And so, y- I think you know any experience should not be wasted, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of mm-hmm. want to stand on the platform and talk about the law degree we've gotten, or the bachelor's degree, or um, y- you know the business we founded. But the the real uh, fruit, the seed, if you will, is underneath that soil, right? at that and see how that came to be because those lessons really become um, the the things that people want to hear. I kind of dislike Mm -hmm. talking to people about where I'm at now. You you can watch that on the news or read that on Facebook or maybe in the Columbus Dispatch. But I think the better story is, okay, what happened from today going backwards, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. really the more, that's the more fascinating story. The truth is it's why we like reading history.
2: Right. Right? It's
3: why we like history because we really get sort of the real story as to how someone came to be present-day, real-time. Real and um, think about this, um, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, think about what story you would tell if, at this moment, you have to start going back in time, talking about how you can. That story, uh, A, would be remarkable and interesting, but also it would change tomorrow, because today you're going to have had mm-hmm. experiences that will be history the next day, right? Mm-hmm. So.
1: so as the kid who was graduating from high school with yep. the one-point, where did you see yourself? You know, realistically, where did you see yourself in the future? Did you see a future for yourself?
3: Yeah, I did. Um, so uh, academically, I you know I, I will take ownership for some of those uh, failures, but uh, I will tell you, my parents um, never doubted that I had abilities. I mean, they would see the one point six, they would see the 2.0, or uh, they would see these re- you know these report cards that didn't reflect you know academic strength they never doubted natural intelligence and commitment that I had to other things. I wasn't performing academically in, in um, school and math and science, uh, but I was reading these remarkable books on my free time, these these masterful treatises about the Holocaust or the Second World War or foreign policy, right? And, and all of this was like as, as a sixth, seventh, and eighth grader, right? I mean, I was d- d- foreign policy just captivated me. And so my parents would see this, and they would point out the deficiencies over here, but they would also promote the interesting and other remarkable things that I would do with just that raw, natural talent or the gifts and abilities or interests that God gives all of us. And so um, the fact that my parents never said, the fact that my parents never said, because you've got a 2.0, you're not going to make it in life, I always thought that I would. And we can take it one step further. I always knew that I was going to be in public service right? I mean, as long as I can remember, I, I uh, wanted to be someone who was a part of government serving on some level. And, uh, but I credit my parents with that, who sort of instilled in me that a GPA, as important as it is, doesn't have to be the defining moment of your life. It doesn't have to be the thing that's going to determine what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. I've got two mm-hmm. girls, Ava <coughs> and Annalise, they're 11 and, thir- or 11 and 12, going on 21 and 22. <laughs> but, um, of course. <laughs> and they've, they've got <laughs> their mother's <laughs> genes. Brilliant. And these girls are they are just academic champions. But I remind them that, you know, that 3.9, that 3.8 GPA you have, that's great. Um, but that's a small part of the story, right? Because when you're 25, nobody asks what your g- grade point average was. When you're mm-hmm. 34, no one asks what your grade point average was. Right. Don't let that GPA give you too much confidence, and don't let that GPA undermine your confidence, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of the story. You've got to tend to it. But it is not the defining thing in your life, right? right? It matters. Excel, work hard, be excellent. Not perfect, but excellent. But don't let that GPA find. I tell my girls that all the time because I see young people, they have that GPA, right? And they think that that will be their ticket to success. And a lot of people get 3.9, 3.8, 3.7s, <coughs> But not all those people exceed long-term in life. Mm-hmm. Excel, um, you know, long-term in life. Conversely, a lot of people have a, you know – Maybe it's a 1.8, um, and they have the same challenge, right? Just the, the opposite. They've got to look at that and say, "I've got this. I can either go forward or backwards, but you got to choose." The fact that you have it doesn't have to define who you are, right? right. It's true in both cases. If you got it, great. Uh, if you don't, great. In both cases, there's opportunity to keep it or go forward. So,
1: so s- looking at your law degree, you you achieved your law degree. Then, can you take us a little bit through that? Um, mm. You know, after getting your law degree, what did you do?
3: Yeah, so I, you know, I, I went to law school at, at Ohio State, and Ohio State, uh, Octavia, historically, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging school to get into. Um, it, Ohio State had a reputation. I don't know if it's true today, but generally, if you went to Ohio State for undergraduate, um, th- there was not, in terms of the law school, you know, a deep interest in having you there for um, purposes of it being admitted to th- the law school proper. The idea was that the school wanted diverse candidates not racially, but from different backgrounds, from different parts of the state, bringing different experiences to the school. So if you're, you know, got an undergraduate degree from Ohio State, they prefer someone from California who got an undergraduate degree from USC. But um, I don't know this factually, but I think the fact that I was a, a war veteran at that time, that was perhaps compelling to the admissions committee. I mean, in their hunt for diverse candidates, I had this diverse experience and mm-hmm. that there weren't a lot of students there who had been... Um, on the battlefield and, and, you know, had experiences that would make the the student culture at the university a little richer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, law school was was challenging, but the one thing law school required um, in greater measure than anything else is, we talked about this earlier, is stamina. You're a law student. It's all day. You've got to have the ability to keep studying and studying Mm -hmm. and learning and learning, and you cannot... And uh, so law school really turned out to be a decent place for me to be. It's, it's a great place for me to perfect uh, uh, stamina a little bit. And um, I left law school and became a private practitioner right out the gate. Wow. Um, I didn't wow. go for a firm or government, went straight into private practice, and worked as a child advocate. I know you mentioned you, you did some mm-hmm. social work in your past. Mm-hmm. And I spent maybe 10 years, Octavia and Jessica, serving as a guardian at litem. Yes. Um, <laughs> Very familiar. Yes. Yes, you would be. <laughs> And I loved it. I, I did. I mean, it was a great education about what was happening um, in our city mm-hmm. and in our county. And um, it, it was time well spent. I mean, those years taught me an awful lot about life and um, people and, and what people are experiencing in, in real life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, in the confines of that law school, you, you know, you, you're getting an education that reflects one thing. But as a guardian at light, you're you're getting an education mm-hmm. that something else and that you know that those experiences have served me well also
1: yeah when you're in school you kind of get the black and white version and then when you get into the real world you're like this was not in my books. i didn't get the documentation to support this like how do (laughs) i make a decision about this so yeah you know when you when you deal with people who have really like adversities and you know they have difficulty. They're you know living in different circumstances. It makes you look at life a lot differently.
3: It does make you look at life a lot differently, and it's. I think it's hard for people to believe. Like that work I did as a guardian outline. I'm sure you've seen. You know a lot in your time in social work, but it would be hard for me to convince people that just five miles from the courthouse, right? Um, five miles from the s- from our state capital, there's a whole nother world happening. And it's a whole nother world, right? You've got the heart of our economy right downtown, um, and you've got million-dollar businesses, men and women in suits and ties, transacting all manner of um, high-level and, and and very important transactions. But just three blocks from the courthouse or you know, five blocks from the state capitol, uh, there's deep poverty or these mm-hmm. uh, terrible social conditions playing out. I think sometimes people come downtown every day and, uh, and, you know, they see the tall buildings and the fancy cars driving by, but you can very much be blinded to a dozen other things happening around you. You mm-hmm. just, you don't see, you, you, you just don't see it because you're working in your space not realizing that. Our county's complicated. Our city's complicated because life is really complicated, right? I mean, life right. is really complicated. So that guardian at litem work, um, ladies, um, uh, fantastic education just a great, great education and also a great place to serve um, and, and, you know, to try to touch people in a direct way.
1: That's really ambitious. Yeah. You said, I'm just wow. jumping out. I'm not working for anybody. I'm yeah. going into my own practice. Like, that's amazing.
3: Yeah, so we talked earlier about the Army and confidence. I didn't mm-hmm. know that I needed it, but it gave it to me. And, um, uh, you know, it just, you know, it it, it, it it served me well, understanding that I didn't have to be perfect, but in these, this little area, some things that maybe other people wouldn't consider doing, uh, things came together nicely for me, and um, so I have credited the Army a lot, but again, my my mother, certainly not, you know, not not knowing what other religious preferences are here, but, you know, my mother and father profound believers in God, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, foundationally. Assist you in service to him and uh, in service to others, and I've just kind of always looked for that equipment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then, in 2009, he mm-hmm. became the Franklin County Auditor. Yep. How did you go from being a guardian at Light On to the the Franklin County Auditor?
3: Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. So I'll give you two sides of that story, Octavia. Um, you know, I had waited really from the day that I arrived at Ohio State to the day that I. great, that I wanted to be part of government, wanted to be in public service, and wanted to be elected in some capacity. It's it's almost like a ministry for me, It's what I think I should be doing with my life right now. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're a lawyer and you're interested in public service, people immediately tell you to be a judge.
1: I was going to ask that. Yes.
3: Yes. (laughs) Be a judge. Um, But, um, you know, I I knew in law school uh, that I would always tell myself, you know, you can't change the world respectfully from a bench. You, you can you can touch some individual lives and make desi- very meaningful and important and substantive decisions about people's lives as a judge uh, but it's sort of hard to change the world um, uh, speaking by way of analogy but I thought a good administrative office that had very broad touch um, and um, th- that was very substantive in terms of its purpose would be a great place you know for me to at least change the little world in which I was existing and so um this opportunity came open to become auditor. People think that if you're African-American and you're in the Republican Party, you get offices. Like, well, the, the Republicans, they need African-Americans, and so you, you, know, you kind of walk into an office and they give it to you because we need black people. And it's not true. In the Republican Party, they don't give away power, right? Yeah. I mean no, no one gives up the ability to lead, to serve, and to have influence. Not in the Republican Party. I don't know how it works on, on the other side where Democrats are concerned, but in the mm-hmm. Republican Party, every single office is contested as between other Republicans. You don't get anything, and no one gives you anything. Right. So when you ask, how did I become auditor, I, I tell you um, two things, A, the grace of God, and B, um, you know, hard work and a lot of people around me assisting and earning um, that opportunity. And um, again, we, we get back to stamina and maybe a little bit of courage, right, being mm-hmm. able to Fight a little mm-hmm. longer than the other candidates, being able to be a little more articulate about the the policies and issues that matter to people, and um, you know we earned that appointment, and then um, we earned um, uh, uh, two successive terms in office, and and now we're you know fighting hard, working hard, and attempting to earn a third term in office.
2: That's impressive. Can you explain what mm-hmm. it is to like what the role is as the auditor?
3: Yeah. So there are a lot of. You know, Jessica, a lot of offices in county government, and and here's the thing, people often understand, like they understand what the mayor does, everyone understands what what the office of the mayor does, we get what city council does, we get our governor, our president, United States senators, members of Congress, we get all that, but county government sometimes seems to be this unusual, hard to understand, complex part of our Mm -hmm. um, understanding of government, and we don't always understand what our county commissioners, county clerk uh, does, county recorder, prosecutor. We, d- we don't really get those roles. But where auditor is concerned, it's really easy to understand because what we do every day in the county auditor's office is that we touch every resident in this county in some capacity. Um, for instance, the building that we're in has a value assigned to it. This building is worth something. If you were to sell it, there would have to be a starting point for how much the building is worth. County auditor helps determine that. I mean, we put value on every single building in the county. Where you live, where I live, every piece of land, all 436,000 individual parcels or property in the county has a value. We determine that. And that touches anybody that's sitting in a building in a structure on a piece of land in the county. That's all of us, right? Yeah. Uh We you know, d- determine that. And, of course, that has great uh, economic consequence. We're also the county's chief fiscal officer, so we keep the books and write the checks for the county you receive a check from county government, will likely have my logo on it and my signature affixed to it. That means my staff and I have looked at that expenditure. We've determined it's a good use of your tax dollar and we thereafter decided we should issue a check for it. Mm-hmm. So we write the check, approve the expenditures and, and keep the books proper uh, for Franklin County. Then we do a lot of other things too. You might pull up at a gas pump and you might see a mingo seal. I was going to ask. logo or sticker. <laughs> yeah. So um, Again, this is something I didn't know about county government until I became part of it, um, but that's that you should know whether or not you're getting five gallons of gas uh, if that's what you, in fact, are pumping and not four gallons, right? You pay for five gallons of gas. You want to know you're getting five gallons and not four. Well, you know you're getting five gallons because my staff and I have looked at that pump. We've expected it. We put that sticker on, and that's letting you know you're going to get exactly what you pay for, right? Here's another one. If you're at Kroger, Giant Eagle, Myers, Walmart, uh, Whole Foods, wherever you might shop, and you want to buy a pound of ground beef, how do you know that scale is really giving you a pound, right? Maybe it says you're getting a pound, but maybe you're getting a half a pound, but you'd never know that. Well, you know that because if you see that sticker, that sticker signifies you're really going to get what you pay for there we've tested that scale so we call that weights and measures we look at any you know device in franklin county that weighs or scales um or that weighs or measures if you will and uh, our job is to ensure you're getting exactly what you pay for no more no less so those are just three ways in which we touch people in uh, the county there are a bevy of other ways but those are sort of the most you know direct ways in which we sort of touch people in the county hopefully for the good
1: I didn't That's know about dry. the giant eagle and the scales yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't either. know
3: that one. Here's something really interesting. Um, I, I'm telling you the story because again, I was mentioned I was earlier with a group, some young students, and we were doing a demonstration about what I described. We call this weights and measures. We opened up a box of Rice Krispies. Right, you know the r- what Rice Krispie treats are. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a box probably came from Costco because it had about sixty Rice Krispie treats in it. But when you buy that box, like you don't really know if there's sixty in there, like you wouldn't know that, and you probably have never counted, right? I no. mean, you, mm-hmm. just em. <laughs> you
1: just eat, you just eat them, right? Or yeah. you buy a bag of M and M's, and it says
3: sixty M and M's. Like, how do you know there's sixty M and? Mm-hmm. Well, you know that because we check those bags. We'll, we'll pull a hand, a couple off the shelf, pour them out, literally count them, and uh, again, uh, the goal is just to provide you with a little bit of consumer protection, and um, you know, making sure that when you're transacting business, whatever it might be, you're safe. Let me throw one other great example at you about what we do. So, uh, Have either one of you heard of these, uh, this new criminal activity, credit card skimming? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you go to the gas pump, and what these thieves have done is they've connected a device to the pump so that when you put your credit card or debit card in, it steals the information, mm-hmm. right? And that's here in Franklin County, real time. In fact, the thieves are so sophisticated that they're really pulling your data right out of the air. So when you're pumping that gas, they're just grabbing all your data, then they're sending it off to Europe or to the West Coast, and they're they're, they're stealing your money. And um, y- we, you know, have the very daunting task of you know being the first line of defense for even that type of criminal activity. And you would be amazed at you know how often uh, we've been part of efforts to thwart that type of criminal activity, and the consumer would never know. That the county, via the Franklin County Auditor's Office, has a task force, a group of, you know, young men dedicated towards inspecting every pump within our jurisdiction to make sure uh, I'm not, you're not, certainly not you, Jessica. None of us are victimized by that type of criminal activity. So um, uh, we're touching people every day in different ways, and, uh, you know, one of the joys of being on this show is to get a chance to talk about it a little more Mm -hmm. and and let people know that uh, they're they're well represented uh, in, in the auditor's office. Uh, may maybe not my hands directly, but my staff—just just great men and women doing great things each yeah. day for people like you. That's
2: cool. That's yeah. a big job. Yep, it's so important. I feel like when we um we look at elections and mm-hmm. voting, it falls off so much when it's not like presidential <laughs> elections. <laughs> when it's time to vote for whoever, yeah, whoever. like half the time people, yeah. I feel like the stories I get, oh, I went in there and I think I'm a d- I, I'm a Democrat. Yep. Or maybe I'm a Republican, right. so I'm just going to pick all D, or I'm going <laughs> to pick all R. Yep. And it's just so important that you understand what these jobs are, that you're just essentially giving away. Yep. So, right. and we, like, especially with our age group, right, Like we're, we're trying to be adults here. Like, we're we're grown-ups, like you yep. said. <laughs> <laughs> <And we laughs> kind of. Yeah, I mean we're kind of. Like, we're figuring it out. So, yeah. it's like, I'm like, when I was looking and reading down, because I'm one of those people, I'll be honest, like, I don't find myself feeling encouraged to vote when it's not a presidential election so when i was running down and looking at like the different things that these ballots are covering this year i'm like whoa this is so important i need to be there and i need to be encouraging everyone around me to be there because i mean you've got judge it's like i'm thinking it's just a little bitty 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 yeah it's everything i mean we have the chance to impact the Senate, to impact all of those things. And we, we complain about it all the time. Yep. So I really appreciate you really giving us detail about what that job is. People need to really know all of those things are, there's one person that controls, I'm thinking you're just doing our property lines right. and looking at them. <laughs> but you touch everything. Yeah. Yep. That's like literally everybody all day.
3: It really is, and um, what I've learned, Jessica. Because you and I probably, you know, we, we've had similar experiences. I, I, I will confess this: I've looked at a ballot before and thought, you know, what? I don't know anything about this or that, and mm-hmm. really not concerned about it because it's not United States Senate, uh, Ohio Governor, or you know something of, of greater stature. But what I've come to learn uh, later in life uh, is that. The things you use, you understand more, Absolutely. right? I mean, the things you use, you understand more. And so those offices in county government, many of them are applicable to all of us. Find a reason to engage those offices because y- your, your auditor, Clarence Bingo, your, the Franklin County Auditor's Office, w- we should or are doing something for you that you either should know about or don't know about, but it's happening. And so I would look at all those officers from or all those offices from commissioner on down and say, OK, how are these folks impacting my life? Because understanding that impact will give you a greater sense of how you know important who's in those offices uh, is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would have told you this 10 years ago and, and, and I, I will say it now. Um, y- if you show me a Democrat who's an outstanding county off, uh, auditor, I'd want to talk to that person. You show me a Republican who's an outstanding county auditor, I don't want to talk to th- to, to uh, that person because these offices are all about a person's commitment and willingness to do the job and to do it with dignity, with integrity, and for you. Not about my ability to do this job for the Republican Party or for the Democratic Party. This is just about my job or my opportunity to do this job in a way that impacts you in a positive way, and I think that that's one of the – um, more unique things about county government really doesn't matter what your political leanings are you just want someone who's going to determine your property value in a proper and dignified way you want someone to make sure you're pumping that gas it's a safe place to pump because it's been inspected you don't care if that person's a republican or a democrat you just want it done because it impacts you and um, you know county government I think where um, the auditor's office is concerned I always tell people it's the best job in county government mm. best job in county government because what we do and who we do it for
1: We have a comment here on Facebook from Tracy Taylor. She said, understand what and most importantly, who you are voting for. Don't just vote for the party lines because there are politicians that are bad. Um, And then Sierra Shanks said that she agreed with Tracy. So um, we're going to take a break really quick, um, maybe a five, ten minute break. If you guys would like to call in with questions for the Franklin County Auditor, Mr. Mingo, um, please call us at 614-500-7339. We'll be back after a short break with If You Ask Me.
4: You probably got some anima, animosity some, 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 You always in your feelings when I come around, I come around. You never help me down, you just want me down And yeah. now I see that in your heart. You probably got some, animi- some, 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 some animosity When you set apart, boys envy you Sweaty for you, but always compare they self to you Nah Homie, homie. We are in a different league, cause my heart don't bleed, and I'm a tea, ain't nothing worse than a hater, what an atrocity, a grown man or woman, hating on little old me, knew I was big daddy, but played me like a scuba steve, Say you got love for me. Tell me what you really mean. Is your love really hatred that's triggered at the sight of me? That sounds like bitterness, envy, and some other things. So when you see me, man, keep it G. Cause I serve a God who's able to keep me within perfect peace. Ain't never flustered by no busters, I'm the same me. A man of God, so my beef is handled way differently. I say a prayer while I'm chilling out in Italy. Up And die, in the causes of be animosity. <laughs> Always in your feelings when I come up, when I come around. You never let me down, you just want me down. When I, I come around, now I see that in your heart, you probably got you some. You just want me down. Yes, 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 yes your when Well, 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 what do we have here? It seems I'm in the presence of the haters of the year. No, no. I'm not here to cause a threat. But you must know I'm the bomb, the wine blew up yet. A fecal man extravagant boy who do it like us. Only reason we keep money, cause in God we trust. It's printed on it, so you know it's just a blessing to us. Ain't no need for no hard feelings if you ain't messing with us. We pray for you, keep it moving, it's no further discuss. Won't let these little things slip, it's one direction for us. And that's up from being down, y'all'll never get that. Cause that's humility that I'll find in too many cats. Riddle me that. My presence seems to make you uneasy, cuz I would explain it, but it's really my anointing blood. Plus I'm covered in it all day. Oh it ain't no animosity but what your body language say Always in your feelings when I come up around. Come around. never help me down you just want me cash nah, Now I see nah, that in your heart nah. you probably got some pass in your mind You got some pass in your mass You always in your feelings when I come up Never hold me down You just want me clean Now I see that in your heart you probably got some passing that some pass in your must
5: i still
6: serving.
4: Yeah, I done touched the bag and I ain't looking back. I ain't looking back. I am the sack.
5: Salvatore's like, like a zebra. Oh, yeah. And Alpha hit a chocolate like a realm like of I just had a threesome Libra and another Libra. New East East, new, and we've never been dispersed. The loss of four loved ones. They were all killed in a crash, yeah. allegedly caused by a drunk driver. That no March 28th, I lost my three any sisters and boy. my niece in that what car crash. T- t- yeah, Rest on yeah. <laughs> in peace, man. I just want them to know, you know what I mean, they taught me about you. Rest peace, Aubrey. So every time I ride in a car, I'm on that road, just know I buckle up for y'all. March 28th, I felt some pain Worthy I ain't never felt, life. the dealer made me play a hand, I wish I was never dealt, six years old, it's like your life just begun, you the beef, I guess
7: Watching over me, I know you're watching over me. Yeah,
2: yes. Welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned in with us. Hello, everyone. This is again Jessica and Octavia with, if you ask me, six one four. We have our awesome special guest, Auditor Ming. back to this great conversation we had a quick off-air topic uh, that we started that we want to continue some more about we talked about um the topics basically how did you choose to be a republican over being a democrat because here the way i was brought up i'm not going to speak for everyone in columbus or in ohio but it's generally if you're black you're De- you're a Democrat. If you're white, you're Republican. That line is pretty much there, mm-hmm. um, and I've never really seen too many Black Republicans. Yep. Now, like the old school folks, like my great uncle, he was absolutely hundred percent Republican because right. you had that time period where it switched. That's right. So, what has made you? We know what gives you confidence, yep. the Army. But what <laughs> what made you, you know, choose that party?
3: Yeah, so, uh, Jessica, let's just maybe go back to uh, the Gulf War. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when people um, look at these political parties or when when African Americans, right, when we look at political parties, as between Republicans and Democrats, we make our choice of which party we are going to support generally based on social issues, right? So whatever's happening economically. Whatever's happening by way of civil rights, whatever's happening um, by way of other issues that are sort of domestic, things happening right here. For me, um, the choice to trend towards the Republican Party was really born out of my interest in in foreign policy, right? So beyond what's happening domestically, both of these parties have a perspective about what the United States of America should be abroad, what should our influence be on the world stage, and um, when my brother and I, you know, he, we, we both were deployed to the Persian Gulf. He was in, in the Marine Corps. I was in the United States Army. And the decision that President Bush made to use the military might of the United States Armed Forces to liberate Kuwait, this was in 1990, not the current war in Iraq, but the the first one, um, this decision had enormous consequence and impact on my family because my brother and I, both of us, Uh, could have come home either maimed or in a box. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my family sort of collectively began to look at um, how both of these parties view foreign policy, right? I mean, what role does the United States play in the world, and then how is that role executed? And so what I determined is that um, the Republican perspective on foreign policy was of greater interest uh, to me. I'm a firm believer that, that the United States, not that we always are, But generally speaking, we should be a force for good during our time on the world stage. The United States has a responsibility to be in every part of the globe, um, not for military purposes, but exporting the blessings and freedoms and privileges that that we've enjoyed. And so for a long time, that was sort of the foreign policy perspective of the United States, and that originally attracted me to um, the Republican Party. What's interesting, and I tell my Democratic friends this, is that there's a lot of room um, you know, between these parties, and both parties, I think, have done a masterful job at um, not only wanting us to be loyal but wanting us to be obedient, right? And I think that's dangerous. I think it's very dangerous because – um, if you step out of line as a Democrat, there's someone that's going to smack you this way or that way. If you step out of line as a Republican, someone's going to smack you that way or this way. And what that does is it prevents us from thinking logically right, and objectively about everything that's happening in our nation. There are some issues that the Republicans espouse, and they're just good policies. No reason for us not to be for or supportive of those policies. There are some things that Democrats espouse that are good policies, and every Republican should have reason to be supportive of that. And it's to a point now when where we can barely acknowledge those truths out of fear, out of fear that someone's going to accuse us of not being loyal. And what that really translates into, you're not being obedient, meaning you're not going to do what I want you to do on this particular issue. So I'm a Republican. I stand by that, um, and, and I'm not ashamed of those conservative principles that I believe in, principles like family, right? Government's never gonna solve your problems. Ultimately, it's what happens in my household. And with respect to my greater family, that's gonna be the greatest influence upon my life and the life of my children. Um, You know, I think that we all have individual capacity to do things well, far and above and beyond what government can do for us. Um, But there are many things, um, policy views and perspectives embraced by democrats that I think are equally true. You don't hear a lot of republicans, you know, talking about um, uh, poverty and ensuring that the gap between the rich and the poor is not ever expanding, but rather everyone has a chance to participate in a mainstream. You don't hear a lot of republicans talk about that, but we all should. Every single republican should be talking about making sure that the have and the have's not, like that's not an existing class, that there's an opportunity for everyone to get on the field of economics, compete and succeed or fail but at least they have access to the field every republican should be talking about that conversely every democrat should be concerned about the military might and status of the united states of america every democrat should believe without question that we have to have very strong and capable military force to protect and otherwise to promote our interest abroad and and also here at home where where appropriate so there's a lot of room between these these parties and i think the you know the call for our generation um, is to be more than a Republican and more than a Democrat. More importantly, to be sensible, to be sensible and objective about these issues. And you can be a Republican and you can be a Democrat, but you have to be sensible, right? Truth comes in one color. There's not truth as defined by a Republican and truth defined as a Democrat. There's just truth. And when we see it, all of us should run towards it. It's right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that, that's not very complicated.
1: Um, so Tracy Taylor on Facebook said both parties are failing all of us right now. It's party over morale, moral values, and basic common sense.
3: Yeah, kind of what you just said. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> but no one can say it like Tracy Taylor. So, um, I mean, Octavia, uh, Tracy's right. Um, and th- this is uh, th- this is you know even more than my current you know election for auditor. You know, my great concern for our state, for our county, and for our, our country uh, is what what these political parties are are doing for us and you know it's easy to throw rocks at democrats i can do that all day long because i'm a republican but uh, we need to look internally i need to look internally and say okay i'm a republican what is my party doing to contribute to this chaos and at the moment you know we're doing an awful lot of it Um, you know we um, have a president donald trump duly elected president of the united states Um, You know, if he walked in the room right now, I would stand up and show him the respect that the president of the United States is due. Okay, I respect him as president. But I also have to be honest and say this is not going well. I mean, there are some things that have happened under his presidency that even if you're a Republican, you should be able to look at that and have the courage to say that's not right, right? I mean, that doesn't really reflect who I am, what the history of this country is, or even more importantly, what we want it to be. And – You know The fact that there are so few Republicans willing to stand up and say, I'm not going along with that or I'm not going to condone and embrace that. Yes, I'm a Republican, but that is not reflective of what I believe. Uh, We need our elected officials to do that. We need every Republican, every time the president steps out of line in a way that is not civil, that is not upright, that's not dignified, every time he speaks something that is less than true, every Republican has a responsibility to every Democrat to every Republican and to every American, to call that out for what it is, right? So that has to start right here. Uh, No need for me Mm -hmm. to talk about Democrats and what they're doing wrong. Uh, It's time for me to to police what's happening in in my own party. Mm -hmm. And um, we have to do that. We owe it to the American people, and we owe it to government, right? You want to be able to look at government and say – Okay, not perfect, but it's excellent. We talked mm-hmm. about that earlier, right? Not perfect, but it's excellent. Yeah. Well, we can't say that right now. Like I said, I, I, I you know respect the fact that Donald Trump was president, respect the fact that, that Barack Obama was president, but um, you know we have to have the courage um, and the um, conviction to call things for what they are when they aren't right, and when they aren't true, and when they are not representative of common good. Let's just call it for what it is i got to do that as a republican and i think every democrat should do that as well right we just we, we need to be honest because this republic that we have it won't last forever i mean we can't keep going on with this um tension that exists and uh you know we're electing these individuals who get into power and they don't care a single thing about you they don't care a single thing about you and they don't care a single thing about me they care about getting elected again and every time we see someone with that de- temperament, whether they're a Republican or Democrat, we should check them on it. I mean, we should band together and simply check them on it and say, you know what? The goal is not to elect someone who's just going to be for Republicans or just for Democrats. The goal is to elect someone who's going to be for the common good, right? Um, and I think – I want to be careful here, but um, I, I, you know, I, I think about some of my friends who are Republican and Christian. They're conservative and Christian. And I've been telling them, because I've learned this myself, um, that being a Christian and being a conservative, those two things aren't equivalent, right? Being Mm -hmm. a conservative Republican and being a Christian, those aren't the same thing, and people think that they are. Sometimes people think being a Democrat uh, and being for African American, right, those are the same things. That's not Mm -hmm. true. Because you're white and a Democrat doesn't mean you automatically have entree into the African American community. But Republicans confuse things on that side. Democrats confuse things on, on, on the other side. And it's because uh, whether y- you're Christian and Republican or Democrat and, and cheering for African Americans, those things just become tools by which people get elected, right? Yeah. And, and that, that is where the danger is. That's where the danger is. The defense is you and I standing up saying, listen, listen, let's call truth uh, for what it is. Let's run towards it when we see it, when we don't see it. And it's a bold face. Naked lie or something else that's not good for the common good of our country and community. Let, let's let check it.
1: Well, we can speak on that. So what would you say to um, a person who says, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but we are in a world right now where there are things that are not being truthful. There are things that are, you know, I don't agree upon. You know, what can I do for those instances that happen? I mean, we still have Donald Trump as our president. Yep. So, what as me as an individual? What is that? How's that going to change if I'm voting for someone when we still have a president who kind of doesn't respect everyone else around y- him?
3: Yeah, I mean, I you know the the let me tell you what the answer is not Octavia, and certainly not that you were suggesting this, but uh, it's not civil disobedience. I mean, we can't you know we 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 can't we can't resort to violence on 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 any level to combat what's happening in the White House or in Washington D.C. So that's a non-starter. But what you can do um, is threefold. Number one, I'll start with a negative. Um, You can't respond in kind. In other words, the way the president is behaving um, uh, should not uh, elicit a likewise response from you, right? I mean, Michelle Obama once made the statement, and and I thought she was right about it. She said, uh, when they go low, we go high. Mm -hmm. I give you a thousand biblical verses that reflect that truth, uh, but there's only one standard for conducting ourselves, and that's with dignity. So everything you do, however you respond, must be uh, dignified. Every Republican that you look at that, that you disagree with, that disagreement must be couched in dignity. Every Democrat that you look at that you disagree with, that disagreement must be couched in dignity, right? So you cannot respond in kind. If the president's behaving in a Nasty, downright, mean-spirited way. No need for us to respond likewise. We can respond, but it has to be in a dignified way. Secondly, your vote is more powerful than, than, than anything else. Your vote and, and the way you express yourselves on, on these issues matters. Your knowledge of the issues matter. We tune in to CNN, MSNBC, and our, and our favorite radio station and our favorite DJs, and we get our news from those folks. Well, that's not sufficient because generally those folks are telling us what they think. What we have to do is the real due diligence, I mean the due diligence to really understand these issues, to understand what's happening, and then formulate our opinion to include the other things that are surrounding us, your favorite DJ, your favorite news station, whoever it may be commenting on this. But typically we get our information from one source that's coloring what, what we believe. Mm-hmm. That's not sufficient. Uh, that That's not sufficient. You've really got to exercise some due diligence, understand those issues, and then determine for yourself where you want to fall at. And I can tell you, as a Republican, concerning many of the things the president has done, that, that that's what I've done. I hear the president, and some Republicans clap and say, that's great, he's right about that. Um, and I have two things to do. I can either follow that opinion in those cheers, or I can say, okay, I hear that. But let me sort of get behind the numbers. Let me do my own due diligence, my own research to see whether or not these things are so or whether or not these things are as the presidents say they are. And when I do that due diligence, I find truth, at least insofar as I can discern it, and I stand by that. Whether it's for a Democrat or for a Republican, I stand by it, right, because it's truth, at least insofar as I can see it. So uh, we got to do the due diligence, and then um, I think thirdly, uh, we have to be expressive. You have a voice. Um, you have a voice, Jessica. I, you know, I, I have a voice, and I think a great takeaway from the, the civil rights generation was that there are a lot of young people. A lot of 20 somethings like John Lewis, right? Um, yeah, the little Dr. King or, or, or Jesse Jackson or Medgar Evers, these, these young people in their 20s and 30s changing the course of history, right? Not just history in the United States, but the world over because that civil rights movement really became a model, right, for how you combat injustice. But those are the voices of young people who stood up and said, you know what? We're going to bend this wrong and make it right. And those people just gave expression, they gave voice to the great issues of their time. And we have to do the same thing. And as we do the same thing, we can't do it the way the previous generation did it, right? we got to figure out a new path, a new way, a new form of engagement, and let that be our model for changing the world to be the way we think it should be and the way we believe God would have it be.
1: Well, and I will say, you know, I don't really follow politics really that much, but from previous years or previous presidencies, what I do see is I do see Republicans standing up and saying, wait a second now, that's not right. Mm, I don't think that we want to be associated with that. He's not speaking for all of us, you know? So I do see that people are starting to feel like, okay, I'm gonna stand up and whatever comes with that, you know, I mean, the people in the White House are dropping like flies because they're not conforming to what it is that the president wants. Yep. And so, you know, I do see that, and people are taking a stand, you know, but we do need to band together as a community, as a U- United States, to be like, okay, now we got to yeah. do something because it's just it's just not going right.
3: No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm there with you. I think, you know, when, when you're going through an experience like this, and, and all of us on some level are looking at what's happening, um, the conduct of, of Mr. Trump, and we all see something that, even for American politics, it's beyond the pale. Um, you know, there, there does have to be a universal agreement that this is not good and we're going to write it. I don't think that's happening um, in the measure that it should. And the reason is because the motives involved in this Republicans don't want to lose power and Democrats want to get it back. And I get all that Republicans want to keep what they have and Democrats want to get it back. In this situation, when, when we're dealing with something um as as unstable as the last you know 18 months there can be no motive but the common good right the only thing we have to be concerned about is making sure uh the damage done to the prestige of the united states the damage done to our economy that that the policies espoused are not going to prove detrimental we all have to be concerned about that and in, in um pushing ourselves away from from motive right i, I mean i hope I hope many of my Republican peers win, and, and I have a few Democrats. I hope they succeed, too. And Democrats, they you know, likewise, they may want to get power back, and they may have a few Republicans that they want to succeed, too. But keeping power, getting the power, that can't be the motive right now because there's more at stake mm-hmm. than yeah. which party gets the power. Like this is really foundationally about our democracy, about our freedom, about what the – not literally, but what the color of our nation is, right? Yeah. And right now that color is just – it's not good. It's not good. And and, and we've got to be concerned about that. And, um, you know, I think Mr. Trump sometimes is well served when it's clear that, you know, Democrats are maybe poking him um, uh, in an effort to get power when there are a lot of legitimate issues in which, you know, he really should be challenged on. And I think, um, you know, a, a greater call from Democrats and more reason and common sense from Republicans get people right in the middle to do the right thing for our nation that may be adverse to the interest of mr. trump but the common good of our nation is a lot you know more important than um, democrats getting power or republicans keeping it
1: Whew. well I- the whole ooh. power issue is yeah. that's, that's what it, is. it yeah that's all it that's is. that's what i you know it's yeah. in this term that's what it really seems like it's just like who can pull the power mm-hmm. card the most and i'm going to beat you with my power it doesn't seem like it's really about issues or the people you know even with yeah. other countries you yeah. know it's like yeah. that's kind of the way it's like we're we're trying to use our power but us as a united states we're not we're like hey we don't want to be a part of this <laughs> but we have to because yeah. we're one country that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right i mean and you you know that was the topic that we wanted to bring up is you know we have it's two different worlds in one country and so it does feel like we're living in a different world but you know amongst the rest of the world we have to be united as a front but yeah. we don't really stand for everything that is coming about you know
3: what I'm, you know i'm glad you said that um octavia because i you know i i, I would not have recognize it as you said it but but you're right um we're not going to be for a man who's you know uh, fascinated and interested in foreign policy we're not going to be united abroad if here domestically democrats and republicans can't even agree on what tr- truth is let alone how it's spelled yeah, right yeah. i mean that's just a fiction if we think abroad we're we're going to represent ourselves as one when domestically we can hardly stand side by side, you know, e- each other in, uh, in times of crisis. So, um, y- y- and I think you're also, you know, onto something uh, wh- wherein um, this country is, you know, there, there are really two different sides of America. Um, and those sides uh, continue to grow further and further apart. And I think, you know, the, the, the political parties are sort of pushing that because, let me tell you how this works. Um, the Republicans, you know, we, we own these issues, whatever these issues may be, S- issues relative to the Second Amendment, issues relative to smart government, issues relative to the uh, economy and, and business. And, and those things are important, right? We need a strong economy and, and great economic policies, and, and we need the, the business fabric of our country and state to grow. Republicans champion those issues. Democrats, um, this is these are just you know high-level examples. Democrats own these issues, um, Uh, issues relative to race relations, issues relative to poverty, um, issues relative to equality. And the result of that is Republicans are afraid to go over here and talk about these issues, but they should. I mean, these issues are, like, relative to everyone. And Democrats are afraid to go over here and talk about these issues, but they should because those issues are relative to all of us, too. And the result of that is nothing is ever accomplished. The poverty rate in our county is going like this. The poverty rate in our country continues to do this, and issues of equality. Even in 2017, you can just read, you know, recent news reports. They aren't better; they're actually worse, right? And we've had years and decades of sort of championing these issues, and you know, we, we've not made progress because these parties sell the solutions and their perspective almost as it's a product versus a remedy. Right, I mean, we want both parties to produce remedies for the challenges we face. Instead, they get you clapping and excited about their perspective to get your vote and not really to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just I – mean, it's, it's dangerous. And, it, again, I mean, I'm, I'm all for being a steadfast Republican, being proud of that, being steadfast Democrat, or being proud of that. But when you suspend reason and common sense, right, to have a D beside your name or R beside your name, mm-hmm. that is dangerous. And there will be a consequence for that, and I, I feel like we're living it. Right now, I, f- I feel like we're living it. Mm-hmm. Let me let, let, let me share this with you. So in, in this state, 32% um, uh, of Ohio residents cannot afford a two-bedroom apartment costing $850. 32%. 25% percent. Percent of all single moms in this state live in poverty. 25% mm-hmm. yeah, of all children in this county live with food insecurity. That means they're not sure where the next meal is coming mm-hmm. from. We've got elected Democrats and elected Republicans, very bright, very capable people um, equipped to articulate and to put forth the policies to solve some of this. But it's not happening. And you want to know what the great challenge is? That political affiliation, right? The inability to step away from that party line and vote with your peer on an issue that you know would do good for the community. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that because that violates some Republican rule or regulation. Or you can't do that because it violates some democratic social norm. And so the consequence of these parties, um, you know, it's telling. It's telling because no one wants to lose power. Mm -hmm, No one wants to lose power. Power You know,
1: and I kind of don't want to say this, but it kind of reminds me of, you know, how the streets are run. Mm -hmm. You know, people have loyalty to their street where they come from or loyalty to this gang. And... So they go against the greater good, saying, "Let's just squash this beef. Let's just squash everything that we're going, you mm-hmm. know, against, so that we can make our community better."
8: Yeah.
1: You know, and that that really just, mm-hmm. you know, because you are in a political party, but really, it's essentially the same thing because people's lives are at stake. Yeah. You know, veterans are living on the streets; mm-hmm. they don't have proper health care. You know, and you know there are kids who are going hungry. They mm-hmm. don't have any yeah. food. It's like for the greater good of the people, why can't we just agree to make things a little bit better for mm-hmm. everyone else? Right. So I mean, that's just when you explain that to me. Yeah. That's I mean, I'm thinking of gangs having mm-hmm. a war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, essentially. Yeah, yeah when no.
2: You use that. Sorry. To no, 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 please. But well, when you use that analogy, it does bring to, you know, a great picture that at the end of the day, when they don't want to squash the beef, it's the little people who get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the guy doing whatever, the activities, pushing the drugs. And then it's like the person who's at the top, they're not really getting hurt. They go to a <laughs> different country. Yeah, they go the to a It's the kid who's yeah. walking
1: to the store, they get yeah. shot. They
2: get shot because he yeah. has the, the tattoo. And we, um you know, we generalize this and we joke about it in the media constantly. Mm. Like constantly, this is the scenario. But you're not they're not mirroring it and looking back at it like but if this is the scenario that we're painting to look bad mm-hmm. and if we look at it like this is our, our government and how it's being ran right now, then you're not gonna get that good outcome because the little guys, as normal people, mm-hmm. those Democrats who don't wanna give up that D power, the Republicans mm-hmm. don't wanna give up the R power, are the ones gonna get hurt. Not physically, right. but you know, yes. I mean in the long run they're the ones suffering and then it here's us the ones who aren't in the government we're not affiliated you know then we're we're trickled down and i feel like it's a joke to a lot of people how government is run because they don't understand it and we watch you know all these um reality tv shows and everything comes so fast and we're like oh how can this touch us and we hear conversations conversations are big and they're um they're scary because people are insulting each other all the time, and they're they're throwing really low blows, right. but there's no result, and we're not getting anywhere, and so I would love to just see and hear your perception of how, I mean, besides these three things, what else or what can we do as voters, not in government, yep. to help that cause of all of us banding together, because I'm not saying we... Of course, we want to change, and sure. w- we're not calling for impeachment. We're just calling for maybe a little etiquette, yeah. a little something. <laughs> Take a little etiquette yeah. class, real quick, brother. Let's let's <laughs> listen to other folks. Yep. Let's work together as a team. What else can we do? Being a, you're you're the expert, even. right?
3: Um, you know what, Jessica, I, uh, I I'm going to keep it, you know, r- really simple because I think uh, the answer to your question is really not that complex. So. Let's just start with some basic courage, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, I have Republican friends, mm-hmm. and they would be afraid to compliment Barack Obama in any capacity. Like, you can't say publicly, yeah, President Obama, that, that policy, I was just right. Like, you, you can't say that publicly because they're afraid of some consequence. So, you, I mean, if you can't even identify truth and say, yeah, not bad, I appreciate You can't even do that, right? And then conversely, I've got Democrats, the um, uh, uh, same way. Um, I'll give you an example: when John Kasich was elected governor, the state was in one condition. Okay, now the state's better. But some Democrats, who you know, they don't, they can't, they got to whisper. Well, yeah, okay, things are a little better in Ohio. My point is, you and I, we have to have the ability to say whether it's a good policy for a Democrat or good policy from a Republican. Hey, that policy is good. Mm-hmm. Is is just working, and. Um, if we continue to allow, you know, political affiliation be a barrier to us affirming and standing by the good things that are happening, we're, that's a disservice to ourselves. Conversely, um, you know, we're going to have to have the courage. You and I, right? The political parties aren't going to do this, but you and I have to have the incur- the the, uh, the courage to, you know, call out those things that are not good, irrespective of our party affiliation as well. So um you know just just having the the fortitude in general conversation if you're democrat to say you know what that republican policy not 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 um not bad that i, I heard about this policy and it's from a republican but okay i think it might do some good and r- republican voters need to do the same thing i'll give you an example um the affordable care act okay i live with parkinson's disease right this is a Degenerative neurological disease. It, um, it'll be with me for life. It will never get better. It it only gets worse. It, it, you know, it's one of those things that um, you know God and His purposes and economy for my life uh, has allowed to be okay. So when Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act came out, it had a component that I really believed in, and that component was that a health insurance company could not say you are not eligible for health care because of a prior existing condition. This meant a lot to me. So, um, where Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was concerned, it would be wise of me and just about everybody else who has a pre existing condition or who, in all likelihood, will have a pre existing condition to stand up and say, you know what, I don't agree with elements of that part of the uh, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, but this aspect of it, I care about. we got to protect it and we got to keep it. But not enough people really stood up vocally and said that, right? It was just like, well, I don't want to, you know, I can't get the president to compl- we have to have the ability to do those things. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we do, and um, you know, if we lack that courage, every time common good happens, we have to think twice about embracing it because of some fear that someone's going to call you a black woman, a Republican lover, or mm-hmm. someone's mm-hmm. going to call me a Republican, a lover of Democrats. And it's you can call me what you want, but if that policy is good, I, I'm I'm walking towards it.
2: Courage to open up the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
3: it starts in places like this, mm-hmm. right? It starts in places like this. But peer pressure. I, I'm just saying, you know, peer peer pressure. If you're if you're black, you got to think twice about, you know, how you, you don't. You may not want people thinking you're a, you know, a Republican. Or if you're white and you're conservative, you might not want people thinking. Yeah, Michelle Obama. She's just fine. I Thought she was a great first lady you got to think twice about saying that in some circles. Mm -hmm. That's tragic. It's tragic. But we have to have that courage, right? And, and again, it doesn't get back to politics. It just gets back to truth. Call it for what it is when we see it. We disagree on a lot of things, but the sky is blue. Never going to be green, right? I mean, we Mm -hmm. can all agree on that. Let's just accept that. Except for St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. There's some truth to that.
1: (laughs) Tracy Taylor on Facebook said, For the greater good, why can't we be unified to solve problems affecting all of us, especially in the black community. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we just, you know, we we keep talking about this and we keep talking about this, but there's really no forum or there's no place, a safe place, where we can feel okay about, you know, what it is that we say, because the media and social media is so fast. And so as soon as you say something, people run and they have their opinions and people are retweeting it and they're saying bad Mm -hmm. things. And then you have to retract what you said. And I didn't mean it that way. Mm. I kind of meant it this way. And so, you know, it's like, when are we going to, yeah, that sounds really, really Mm. good. And we're, you know, we're speaking this old great thing, but when can we get to that point? Because really people say, yeah, speak your truth Mm -hmm. and believe in, you know, whatever it is you believe in and stick behind it a hundred percent. But, then, if it's not with the majority of everyone else, then people are casting stones at you. Yeah, and so that does make it hard to You're come out as a so Republican mm-hmm. and say, "Go, Barack, I was with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you were a great president, even though you know that's how they felt, but they have to keep that inside and right. take it to their death." You know.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, y- I, you know what? I'm going to say this, and I, and I may have some, you know, you know, re- re- Republican friends who might cringe, but. Um, Irrespective of, of what of what I thought about uh, Barack Obama and in, in some of his policies, both foreign and domestic, uh, it is undeniable that he was a man of dignity. That that the Obamas, as a family, they they were dignified people, um, and that has to be acknowledged, right? Most especially um, in in these days. I mean, it's, it's really important for us to understand what dignity in public service looks like. And if it's found in Barack Obama most recently, well, let's say that. Let's say that and sort of have at least a recent example of what it is we want the president to look like, at least by way of conduct. Let's not even get to the policies. Let's just yeah. get to the conduct. Mm-hmm. And um, so I- I'll I'll lead off the conversation, and, uh, and I will say that. Um, now what I need is a Democrat to step to this side and say, you know what, Clarence, these two things that, you know, Republicans are for, okay, I, I, I hear you on that. I, I understand why, you know, the tax cuts for our small businesses are, are are important. My dad has a small business, and I know he's benefit. Well, let's just say that, right? I mean, those things are – but it starts here, right? I mean, Octavia, Jessica, if we think, you know, Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, or Nancy Pelosi is going to lead the charge, they're not. They're mm-hmm. I'm sure they're great people, not taking anything away from them, but if we think they're going to do this for us – they're not. They have one mission, to stay in power for their respective parties. And I get that. But that's not helping anyone on Main Street mm-hmm. or on the south side of Columbus or on the west side of Columbus or in Canton, Ohio. It's not. So y- you and I have to start that, that conversation. We're three people in a you know radio studio at the moment. But, I don't know, Rosa Parks kicked it off on the – Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, in the back sure. of a bus.
2: Mm-hmm. So – we can do yep. to help, yep. Just let us know. I, I, it's nothing more beautiful to me than this. It's just getting different people, different spaces, and you having different experiences than us. And you're saying all of the things I feel like so many people feel, yeah. they just don't know how to say it.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I can, um, you know, we're talking about this from a political standpoint, but I also think where race relations are concerned. The chasm between black Americans and white Americans is deep. I mean, it's really deep. And what I've come um, to learn, most especially the last year, is um, there are a lot of white Americans that don't have – it's not even malicious, not even purposeful, but they don't have an understanding about Tamir Rice or Trayvon Martin or, or why that matters. Um and then there are a lot of African-Americans who don't have an understanding about how white Americans are seeing those issues or why they're seeing it the way they are. And so I've been challenging um, our white county residents and black county residents to do what we're doing here. I'm going to find someone who's white. I'm going to have them over to my house for lunch or dinner, and we're going to have a conversation about life and everything in between. That's just fellowship, just just fellowship, trying to understand, right, trying to understand mm-hmm. who people are. Um Uh, And to relate and to gain perspective, not trying to convince anyone to see the world that I do the way that I do, but just trying to have that that common level of fellowship. I've been challenging my white peers to find someone who's African-American. Don't talk to them at work or on the job. You have them over to your house for dinner and start that relationship and Mm -hmm. that conversation because that's where you really begin to sort of understand who people are and why they think the way they do and how those thoughts evolve. And I've had a lot of success doing that. It's been, an, um, honestly, um, a great education. It, it, it really has. It's been a great education. It's It's been good fellowship, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it served me well. It, it really has. When you
1: do that, you kind of find out that you have more in common with people than you really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you totally. really thought yeah, about. Yeah, you do. You know, you're like, yeah. we kind of like the same music. <laughs> you know, we like the same food. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like. The only thing that is different is the outside of us because everything in the inside is the same, you know, and it's like, why, how did we even get to this point? I thought that, you know, we kind of got over that a little bit, right? you know, but it's just now it seems like it's just really just blatant. It's out there and people don't really care, you know, about humans,
3: right? You know, it's, it's
1: just like. We're humans, though.
3: <laughs> no, we are. And, and, you know, Octavia, there's certainly something to be said for uh, um, cultural differences. It means something to be Irish. It means something to be mm-hmm. Italian. It means something to be African American. It means something to be Haitian. Like, that means something, right? And that something is not to be abandoned. That's part of the, the color on the fabric. The color on the fabric, that's America. That matters. Um, but the distance between, you know, white Americans and black Americans, I think, is, is – um, the depth of that is summarized as follows: As you know, we lost two law enforcement officers in Westerville, mm-hmm. um, and that that Sunday there was a vigil in Westerville for the two officers. About eight hundred people there. Very um, very heavy sense uh, in the room where the vigil was happening. At I mean, you just felt like it was a moment. And there's maybe three African Americans there, maybe four, it was me and, and, and maybe three other people. Earlier in the day, um, I was with uh, other friends who were who were African. This issue really didn't come up. I mean, it just you know we were talking about things, but the loss of those two Westerville police officers really wasn't the story. And and I thought about that. I mean, while we as African Americans were aware of that and we were concerned, respectfully, it didn't dominate sort of our our day or or it, you know it wasn't maybe heavy on our hearts to the extent that it was elsewhere. Think back to when Tamir Rice was killed in Cleveland or Trayvon Martin. Right? For a lot of white Americans, like that, didn't resonate in the same way. It was a big conversation and big news in our community, but for a lot of white Americans, it was just kind of something they heard about on the news, but they weren't really connected to it. And so, it's really interesting that even where tragedy is concerned, even where tragedy mm-hmm. is concerned, it's hard for us to even come, you know, together and share in those tragedies together because our perceptions of those tragedies sometimes are colored mm-hmm. based on history. Or 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 mere skin color, or or based on who it happened to, right? I mean, a tragedy, uh, the loss of two police officers from af- from um, two two white police officers may resonate differently to African Americans who have a long difficult history with police. O- it may resonate differently. The loss of Trayvon Martin, a young African American man, well, that may resonate differently to white Americans who may see young African American men and the like that perhaps they shouldn't. So. My point is that even where these tragedies are concerned, we've got to figure out a way to at least sort of identify and appreciate at least the common humanity that comes along with um, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, every American, black or white. We all have reason to be concerned about that. I mean, all of us should have just been struck by the loss of these two young kids. And likewise, we had two law enforcement officers, um, in theory, protecting and serving, irrespective of the history of... Uh, that white law enforcement has in the African-American community, the loss of those two officers, hats off, heads bowed, we all have to sort of understand the gravity of, um, you know, that, that 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 type of loss. Whether it's a young black kid, kid on the south side of Columbus or two white police officers on the north side of Westerville, those types of things, um, I- the tragedy is that we are not collectively moved when mm-hmm. those things happen.
1: And... No, i'm gonna be honest with you auditor mingo we decided not to discuss the two white officers being killed on our show because we didn't feel that you know we you know we didn't say whether we were like boo or where we were sad or anything we just said we're not going to discuss it because we didn't feel like you know when trayvon was killed you know that was it was It was just a different feel, you know, and we didn't want to say, yeah, you know, they didn't deserve to die. No, because they're humans. Mm -hmm. We didn't think that they deserved to die, but we weren't going to bring that to light because, you know, they were in the line of duty. Yes. However, you know, when a kid is killed and they are unarmed or someone is down on the ground and they have their hands up and they can't breathe, you know, I can't see how. Nobody is not moved by that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. where, that you know, we kind of discussed that. It was like, you know, we're not going to say, you know, rest in peace to the police officers or, you know, we, you know, we just won't even address right. that issue.
3: But he- here's, here's the, you know, here's the, I- I'll tell you two things about that. Um, like the, this, mm-hmm. this cycle we're in is sort of perpetuated. Um, every Ohio elected official is talking about the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. This thing is consuming the state. I grew up in Canton in the 1980s, and crack consumed an Mm. entire generation of young black men. But back then, it was lock them up, put them in jail, it wasn't talk about treatment. But with opioids, it's a completely different subject matter, right? We got a treatment, then we got to find jobs, and we got to, okay, I applaud the sort of new model, but what is not happening is a conversation about that other history. Mm -hmm. And that conversation is where the healing begins. So what you're saying is that um, it was hard for me to talk about, you know, the loss of those police officers because someone needs to begin having a conversation about why the death of Trayvon and Tamir Rice were not talked about. But that conversation will happen at the lunch or dinner you're going to have with that white counterpart who doesn't understand why Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice were issues that all of us should have been cognizant of and paying attention to. So Mm – I think the solution to this is really you know, engaging our white peers in this case and our white peers engaging their black peers and having these real hard conversations about this because if you don't know who Trayvon Rice is or if you live in Ohio and you don't know, or Trayvon Martin is, if you live in Ohio, you don't know who Tamir Rice is. How can that be? But you know who those two pol- Westerville police officers are. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, but until we get in a room and start having these conversations about how and why these issues affect us, We'll never get to that point where we have a common appreciation for mm-hmm. a level of tragedy that we all should just just at least have a little understanding mm-hmm. about. Uh, so I'm not pushing back against you at all for not discussing mm-hmm. the loss of those police officers. I'm getting to why it wasn't discussed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see why. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to the remedy. That means you and I, we got to find two white counterparts and begin having conversations about um, – what this looks like from our perspective then we got to listen um to their perspective on a range of issues and then have tough conversations about the history and and what we're going to do about it and how we're going to give that back to the community in a better way
1: well i'm going to play devil's advocate let's say you know there are some white counterparts that are out here and they're protesting Mm -hmm. alongside of african-americans you know are, those are not the people that we need to have the discussions with. Correct. You know, how do we get to those people who are kind of like, that's not really an issue? Yeah. You know, that's where we need to be because we do have, you know, white people and there's, you know, Latinos. There's everybody that are out there and they're protesting and they're saying, this is not right. We have to do something about it. We need somebody to listen to us. But how do we reach those people who are not, who don't feel the same sentiment, who yeah. don't feel like there was, some type of injustice done, or just to acknowledge that, okay, maybe something might have went wrong, you know, I just, I feel like people don't want to say that they're wrong, or there was something that was a mishap, or, you know, a a misunderstanding, I don't know, but it's just to be swept under the rug, and to act like it didn't happen, and it didn't exist, Yeah, you know, that is, that's where I'm trying to figure out how do we get to that point
3: I- i'm there with you mm-hmm. and i will tell you that will never happen in mass right we're not going to yeah. get a thousand people in a room and have this conversation i think the path to this the solution to this is one-on-one you've got to do that and may- maybe it's seven or eight people over the course of your life and it's seven or eight people for you but um it's uh, if i if i can say this it's sort of like you know winning hearts and minds of jesus christ often you know when when you're sharing a gospel with someone um Sometimes that's an individual conversation, right? I mean, people come to Christ individually, right? It's, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this is um, uh, the same way. We aren't going to get 5,000 people in the horseshoe um, and have a conversation about this. I think this has to be an individual effort where two people, three people are coming together and they're having conversation. And then that's just kind of building out. But to think that we're going to get have 5,000 people and have a conversation about Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, the loss of two white police officers and why we all don't see those issues in the same light or why we don't see the opioid e- epidemic and crack adi- epidemic in the same light, um, that will break down into a debate akin to what Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, um, Donald Trump, and Marco Rubio had back in 2016. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. we got to individually engage people. My mom and dad always talked about love and fellowship. Every single person you meet on an individual basis, start there. Love and fellowship. Figure out a reason to love them and Mm -hmm. then figure Mm -hmm. out a way to have some fellowship with them to perpetuate that love. But you can't do that with 10 people. Mm -hmm. A man can have one wife. That's it. It's hard to love more, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to be personal and intimate, if you will, in conversation with 500 people. You and I, we're having a great conversation now because there's three of us. Yeah. 10 other people in this room, it's a completely different dynamic and the thought and emotion and trust is lost. Mm -hmm. So, one-on-one.
2: We need to, I think you should really make
3: this a little bit
2: bigger than this, this radio conversation. Mm-hmm. I see a hashtag Mingo <laughs> Challenge coming uh, through. Like, I'm serious. Yeah. I, that is really, when I was asking what else can we do, I wasn't expecting to get a real answer. That was, That's a real answer, and that's something that could truly work, and if yeah. we literally, everyone just talks to one person, one once maybe every month. Right. I mean, seriously, it could go a long way. I will never forget the impact of when I graduated high school, went to a Dominican, and I had a white Republican roommate, mm-hmm. young lady, <laughs> she's totally different, right? Yeah, she was from um, close to Stupenville. wasn't Stupenville? It wasn't um quite Pennsylvania. I can't even remember the little town, but her upbringing totally different. Mm-hmm. We bonded that was one of my best friends from like just off jump when it comes to political party when it came to the way she was raised how she would speak to people mm-hmm. who she felt were different or maybe um, a different class from her Yeah. it was different but she was like the, m- the most amazing person yeah. so sometimes we do need to open up because she taught me so much yeah I never <laughs> would have been as tolerant yeah if it wasn't for her and without her opening my eyes to start that conversation then I was able to move on to the next person who I was unfamiliar with and right. have a conversation learn about you know more deeply about an Asian person that I had known. and just that is so it can we need to do something with no, this No I th- I think you're right because this can go somewhere It
3: can go somewhere <laughs> Jessica and and you know it, it we talked about courage earlier but it it, it takes a little bit of courage to mm-hmm. to engage someone who you know yeah. You know that person is as far removed from you as two people could possibly be, and it's scary because you don't want to get your feelings hurt. You're going to hear something that that that's going to upset you, or that's mm-hmm. going to embarrass you, or that's going to hurt you. But that done one on one, over time, it, you just you get in a respectful way. You get greater intimacy. You get greater fellowship. Mm-hmm. You have real trust and. You know, it it, um, it it builds out. Like, that's how we, that's how we're going to change the world. We're not going to do it um, uh, 5,000 people at a time. It's mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. you, you got to find those three white people in your circle, or those three Asian, Indians, or Hispan- whatever the circumstance may be, and fellowship. I mean, you really got to fellowship with them and just really get to know, understand, and, and work through it. i got to do the same thing. you got to do the same thing. I'm trying to do that politically, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have Democrats who are afraid to take a picture with me, like, well, I love you, okay uh, you know what i mean but we really gotta just one person at a time most especially on these racial issues
1: don't be afraid
3: no and
1: and it's fear that holds us back
3: it is fear that holds us back and we have to have the courage to you know to undertake those relationships let's let's the three of us not expect someone to call us and say well yeah let's be the person making the call to someone we don't know or someone we see in passing but never really taking the time to you know, understand who that person is, Um, we have to do that. And then let's also be afraid, let's also have the courage to do two more things, and that's, you know, the the courage to give truth in those conversations over the months, weeks, sometimes years, right? Um, But then also have the courage to accept some things we don't know and didn't expect right and true from their perspective I don't know what those things might be but you know this, this can't be uh, you know a relationship based on dictating but the time and relationship spent coming to know and understand one another and just, just kind of working it out my, yeah. di- my, my dad passed away uh, in June of 2017 mm. and um, he was at a hospice facility um, uh, great place it was at Riverside uh, Hospital is Hospice is uh, a place where those in their last weeks, sometimes their last months, are cared for. And he received fantastic care um, from black nurses and white nurses who did the most incredible personal and intimate things for him. They didn't care about anything other than his personal well-being. They just mm-hmm. didn't. And I would talk to them about how they could be so comfortable with various people. Right, i mean doing these very personal things for various people and the reason uh, they all cited was because they had spent so much so much time around 70 so people who were dying and the only thing they saw as those people expired was the fact that they were passing through not whether or not they were old white men or old black men or old black women or, or what the only thing they saw was this sort of common shared experience of death passing mm-hmm. away and my point is that's what fellowship will do right if you're around someone enough you can get to the point where the level of comfort, the level of trust, the level of intimacy is so great, intimacy is so great that you can talk about things and understand things in a way that you, you probably you wouldn't have otherwise, right? Yeah, that mm-hmm, That's yeah. where marriages become sweet. Two mm-hmm. People spend so much time, highs <laughs> and lows, <laughs> yeah. right? Highs and lows, but they spend so much time doing this <coughs> that they can talk about, say, or do just about anything and well understood
2: this conversation because
1: i mean before i wasn't afraid but it's like when you talk politics it's kind of you don't want to talk about it you know that's something (laughs) that you you know when you go into a networking event they say don't talk about politics don't talk about religion Mm -hmm. like that's always the rules that you get Mm -hmm. is you know you don't want to talk about those things but i think that's how our country is run you know you don't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. but we need that to survive we need that for our country to maintain we we have to have politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that's how our country runs on politics. Right. So to tell people don't talk about it is kind of doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> yeah. no. So we need to start having those conversations and you know talking about different issues because you know it's like don't tell people that you're a democrat, you know, that's very very secret. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it so secret that you're a democrat or but sometimes you don't believe everything that every democrat has ever said.
3: But that needs to be understood. Yeah. You know, what you just said is, I mean, that's a, it's a great starting. some days I have more in common with a 65-year-old white man than I do with another 46-year-old black man. Because this Parkinson's disease we share, it's its just like that. He and I are the only two people in the room who can relate, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just saying that there are these opportunities for us to connect with people. And it doesn't mean I'm giving up my blackness. It doesn't mean I'm not keeping it real. It does not mean. Fellowship a little better, and those things become bridges, uh, so that we can have that conversation over dinner in the confines of my house, right? Mm-hmm. In the confines of my house, that's really getting intimate. You got someone mm-hmm. over that you don't know, right? Having a conversation about. Got to be safe and careful about these things, but generally speaking, you understand right, what yeah. I'm saying. You're getting to know someone, and you're just really, you're really having a real conversation with them. Real conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge. Auditor Mingo challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I the think the auditor, I like that.
2: The, the Auditor Mingo, ch- the Mingo challenge. Mm-hmm. Auditor Mingo challenge. I'm trying to think about the creative different ways to use this hashtag that I feel like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Said they can't hear you.
3: I'm sorry. I I certainly don't want to be a hero about this because I I don't have all the answers. But, uh, um, I I just think some of these things are within our reach. Um, you know, to 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 pick up and begin doing uh, just some very basic things. I love being an elected official. I love being in politics. I love public service. Government can do a lot of good. But a lot of the things we're talking about. If you think Mayor Ginther or or Governor Kasich or Auditor Mingo is going to solve this from a policy or political standpoint, it's not going to happen. We'll be waiting forever. But just the three of us, just what we've done tonight, candid conversations, difficult at some moment, maybe a little uncomfortable, but look how far we've come. Right? Mm-hmm, just absolutely. in two hours worth of time, we mm-hmm. really broke a lot of bread. Difficult subject matter, and um, you know we could build on to this. We could build on on this conversation if if we wanted to another date and time. But that's how this process has, has mm-hmm. to go. So,
1: Well, I will say, you know, I haven't really been big on politics. I said that earlier. But the way politics are starting to evolve, I can see where we're going. It's mm. not going to be overnight. Mm. And so that's what people understand is, like, you have to be patient with the process and how things work. But it has started the conversation. Mm. We do have Republicans standing up and saying, hey, Trump, that sucks. Yes. You know, and Mm -hmm. they're standing (laughs) their ground and they're sticking to it. Yeah. And so that is really, really powerful for our generation to see Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. not just people going through the, you know, the motions of things. Right. And just to have it to keep the power. Right. You know, so that's really, really powerful what we're starting to see here. And so it's getting more people involved. Younger people are getting involved, you know, especially with the gun policy thing. You know, having... Those kids from Florida—they're like really adamant, and they really understand what they're talking about. They know it, and they're saying, "Hey, we need you to listen, and we want to see change
3: Octa- because
1: it affects us."
3: Octavia, those—I mm-hmm. mean, those—you know—those uh, high schoolers in Florida—they are changing political will just by giving expression. We talked about this earlier. Just by giving expression to an issue that they care about, and the policymakers can't ignore them. They they can't. And so what they are doing is a great example of one path towards change. It's one. There's another dimension and an, and and uh there could be another dimension, uh, for, for those efforts and and um another path to take on a different issue, but where gun control is concerned, what they've done and how they've done it and how they've given expression to this issue, um, that, you know, it's creative, smart, um, It's action and it's not being ignored. We can do the same thing on a lot of other issues, Mm -hmm. right? We we just have to figure out the best way to give expression to it.
1: Mm -hmm. And make sure we stick to it. Yep. You Mm -hmm. know, that's really important. If you really believe something, then stick to it. Because they will go back and they will say in twenty fourteen you tweeted (laughs) (laughs) that you were not for this, you know, and Mm -hmm. so that's like social media really holds people accountable with what they say. So you know, if you're going to say it, you got to make sure this is really what you want to say. Right. You really have to stand behind it.
3: Or you know, have the courage to admit your, your your thoughts and opinions have really matured. Yeah. And changed, right? Maybe maybe you see the light.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, change so much so quickly.
3: Yeah. And
1: be able to stand up against that. You know, that's what I was saying. It's like social media is so powerful. People are so quick to attack you on what it is that you say. But if you you know, don't retract your statement. If that's what you meant, then you got to stand up for it. You got to say that, hey, this is what I stand for. And I'm not backing down. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not sending no letters. I don't (laughs) want to call your mom and tell her I'm sorry. You know, this is really what I'm standing for. And I'm not going to back down just because people think that I should make an apology or I should change my views because I think differently.
3: No, if listen, I mean, if it, if it's right and true, and that and that that's the way you truly believe, a, uh, you know, a, an issue should be judged or called, stand by it, right? I mean, that you you, um, there won't be a thousand issues in life like that where it's your way and no way, but there are some mm-hmm. things we call these things our convictions where mm-hmm. you believe it is settled and it, there's no other way for that situation to be resolved other than at least you know from from your perspective, you. Your convictions—you got to stand by it. Now, I think one thing social media has done is it's made it harder for people to hold fast to their convictions, because when those tweets come at you, or those likes on Facebook, or those comments on Facebooks are not pleasant. I've been through it; it wears on you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so social media—it uh, it it can uh, impair your conviction. It can impair your courage to stand by your convictions, but it's what you believe, if it's right and true. Hold fast to it. Believe it.
1: Do you think that social media plays a part in politics?
3: I do. I do. I, I thought um, you know it it's w- was famously said that you know Barack Obama was the first social media uh, president, and you know this this tool uh, d- started out um, uh, with great and profound uses. We applaud that, but um, it, there's also some danger in it too believe in the First Amendment, believe in, you know, freedom of speech and giving expression to things. We've talked about that, but I think, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook and, and some of the other platforms, they can also induce us to uh, to be unfiltered, to be foolish, um, to be rigid in our thinking, and it uh, doesn't always, you know, lend itself to the best perspective. Mm-hmm. Someone's quote on Facebook might, you might think that's gospel. Right? I mean, because yeah. it's on Facebook yeah. or Twitter and so-and-so mm-hmm. said it, well, and, you know, I, it, my mom always says, listen, there's only a handful of people you should listen to in life. There's only a handful. And most of them probably are not on Facebook or Twitter, with the exception of Tracy Taylor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I just, you know, I love Facebook and Twitter. They're great tools. We're using them now. But um, there's, there's some danger in that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: yeah, you know. Yeah, you think about like the no filter. I always think of like Angela Rye. Yeah. She's out here. I mean, she's nicely <laughs> presenting herself with no filter. Yeah. But there's so many people it's like they wake up, they tell us their whole entire day. Yeah. And you 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 just you're like, okay, yeah. this is this is all I'm seeing all, all the time and it gets to the point where you forget when you're looking at um like a superstar that they're just a person. Right. And they might have a bad day or they might have a bad moment or right. they might make a mistake and they get judged so quickly off of it. Yeah. And no filter I mean it's okay sometimes mm-hmm. just holding steady to okay this is who I am. It's like you have to either go with it or not <laughs> go with it at all. You need to be Angela Rye Yeah. Or you need to be somebody else. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You can't do both.
3: Yeah. No, I I I hear you. But it's you can th- be yeah.
2: whoever you want to be. That's the beauty in the world today
3: yeah and those those social media platforms it it certainly gives you the opportunity to let the world know Mm -hmm. who you are but the 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 other side of that jessica is that it we have learned a lot more about people through social media Mm -hmm. i mean we're seeing a side sometimes we're seeing what's really on a person's heart and what be it not for social media or facebook we may never have known how certain people feel about certain things because we didn't have this platform that allowed people to step up and say things that either a they have no business thinking or b they probably shouldn't share yeah publicly <laughs> yeah and so yeah, but you know i uh, listen i'll say this in closing we probably lost discretion discretion is yeah. that thing that governs whether or not you say something or not mm-hmm. it's the judge of whether or not something's appropriate to do or not to do appropriate right. to say or not to say and and you know facebook twitter and Instru- i mean these things have sort of taken away discretion
1: mm-hmm.
3: more often for the worse, but yeah. sometimes for the better
1: for the masses it's definitely taken away yeah, <laughs> yeah. well
2: it's 901 unfortunately it's that time it's that time it goes so fast Yeah. tuesday's our favorite day
3: i believe it it's it's only Tuesday, but it's been my favorite day so, so far. <laughs> uh, You
2: did a lot today, though. Uh, I was following yeah. your Twitter. You've yeah. done a lot today.
3: I've had a good day. It's, it, this is a great way to, to call it a night. So,
2: yeah. Yay. Yes. Well, well, I would to say Mr. Mingo. Remember <laughs> we said we had to... Oh, her Mingo. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. Where can they find you on social media?
3: Yeah, so I'm... Um, the Twitter handle is at Clarence Mingo. Um, Facebook, you know, there's probably a, a political page for me, and then a page for my office, like the Franklin County Auditor's mm-hmm. office. But there's also a personal Facebook page. Uh, the best thing I can tell you is that you'll have to look at the photo. The, if there's a photo up there with my wife and I, it's a personal page. If it's, you know, if it's the office logo, it's the office page. And then if it's something for the campaign be me waving in a parade or something. But <laughs> the personal page is great because I, I look at it more and follow it more. But Twitter, Facebook, I'm I'm alive and out there trying to keep up with the times at age
1: 46. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's fun. It's fast. It's fun and fast. <laughs> I like that. I, yes, it is. You're good at it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> hanging in there. Yep. Yes. Yes. Well, we appreciate you for coming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This was fun.
2: Yeah. Are we going to run down the vendors this time or no?
1: Well, we definitely tell you you can come back anytime just oh, let us please. know thank you let us know you can always come back but um, don't forget we have black friday um, which is this friday at the taste of trinity which is 2600 south hamilton road is from 5 to 9 um, children are welcome until 9 o'clock um, we will also have a live performance she will be doing covers of different songs mm. um, so we're excited about that um, the vendors are as follows paparazzi um, paparazzi accessories the African Accent, Yvonne G, Ritha's Hot Picks, Natural League Company, Thoughtful Teas, Flytown Stylewear, Just Candles and Some, Bon Bons by Linda, Sweet Reese, Tammy's Touch, Nine Fruit of the Spirit, IAW Hair Growth Oil, Avon Girl Boss, Glamour Shots by Allison, Custom Designs by Kyrie, he is only 10, Yay. so we're excited about that we have our first kid entrepreneur um, Just Do It Goodies and apples galore and more Just Do It Goodies is Jessica she Yay. also makes our shirts so she does baked goods and goodies so we have a whole lot of things going on it's once mm-hmm. a month um, the third Friday of every month mm-hmm. so we hope you guys come out shop black, support the black market um, mm-hmm. you know let's let's do it together as a community What we support. Absolutely. So we'll see you guys Friday. And don't forget to tune in Mm. tomorrow. The Glitch. Yes. 7 30 to 9 30. Um on Thursday from 5 to 7 is Culture for Your Soul. Eat it with a bowl. And from 7 30 to (laughs) 9 30, it is the Flu (laughs) Hacho. So make sure you guys tune in to um, all of the shows. And Saturday is um if you ask the glitch. Um, With the guys from The Glitch. Battle of the Sexes. We argue a lot. So,
2: tune in. 7 to 9. Yes. You can find me at Jess underscore Do It underscore 90 on Instagram. And Jessica Walls. Two L's. (laughs) 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 On Facebook. And I am
1: Tavy underscore Baby 84 on Instagram. And on Facebook, I am Octavia Matthews 1T.
2: You guys have a great night. Enjoy we'll see
6: your you Friday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah 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 No harm. Maybe it's cause of this remedy got me thinking too much. Or oh, we can bump no it on Henny. Gotta stay drunk and love. Maybe I'm wrong, it's love. Baby, my pastor up. No heart, no love. So, please don't judge. Maybe it's nothing, it's Remy. Got me thinking too much. Or we can blame it on Henny. Got us say drug love. Maybe I'm wrong, it's love. Baby, my pastor up. No heart, no love. So, flick, don't judge. No, Jamie Foxx, baby. We can blame it on the liquor. All I wanna do is take you down. Yeah, my leg was a pretty Ricky, Oh, yeah, you know you like that. Said you like it from the front, but you love it from the back. Got your feelings on my tags while I'm slapping on your ass. All cats, bubble, cry. Baby, we got to go ahead. Be- Drug in love. Maybe I'm wrong, it's love Baby, my past is rough No heart, no love So please don't judge Maybe it's cause of this Remy Got me thinking too much Or we can blame it no Henny Gotta say drunk and love Maybe I'm wrong, it's love Baby, my past is rough No heart, no love So please don't judge
9: It, that's ship sure. get it, spit it, mix it, that's shipping sure. it, get it, spit it, mix it, that's sure. it, 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 mix it uh-huh. ship it, get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, yeah. get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, Spit it, mix it, ship it. Here we go. Guess in the way, open in my lane. That's okay. I'll just make my own time to demonstrate. Been a boss, never take a loss. Y'all taking off, you'll get crossed, that's just how I walk, Cause I got the sauce in the game. Never been a lane. Please let me explain. Change, but I've been the same, never been a slave. Penetrate on the interstate safe line. Flippin' wait, I'm getting paid. cake just one night stands no gifts no dates look i just realized me and all real has got real ties one eight seven all i do is kill lines if the wheels do fall off i bet i still drive. these boys hate it, all they want to do is kill vibes till you make up on their breaks like a heel sign. y'all trying to borrow because we want a piece of real life but all grass seems greener under field like get it spit it mix it ship it get it spit it mix it ship it Ship it, get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, 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 get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, get it, spit it, mix it, ship it, 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 it. Tokyo, Tokyo, I got is hanging on the street. For- Where we Mix it, ship it, get it, spit it. 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 Mix it, ship it.
5: 100 grams can fit in my sweet Man, I wish that honey pies can fit in my liver. Hey, flush so a cold, make her shiver. Yeah. If I like her, I'ma get her, head of the splitter. Good, but I can't miss her, pass her to my... Yeah. All these... Yeah. dissing, but they miss me. Yeah. She gon' thinkin' you a hickey. I had to dodge that... she was trying to kiss me. Yeah. I was... You been doing all this rapping, it's real, real i sick as hey. I don't know where my head huh? is. What this and all, they don't know where it's headed Crazy, shopping on the daily. All these hate me, but all these love me No cuffing, can't do no lovey-dovey huh? We can't get like it rubby, she can't get nothing can't from get me nothing But sure. she can be my butt Yeah. You can be my and f- hold my pistol. Yeah. Hey, Lil' Crayon Puma let that pipe go. Hey, uh, Pressure bus, has uh, don't make uh, this pipe blow.
9: Sanity, that's how you handle me. Must be contained. You go for the heart, and I'll go for the brain. I don't trust nothing. These can change. They hate you for nothing. Try robbing your chain. I hustle for life, for my team in the range. You for my life, get you rearranged. You gave up your life, did it all for a chain. You pity and sorry, I differ. I'm playing Atari with Hancho, Don't skip a all of you. Deplore my demise. Keep hammers some villains. Wasting my time, came up off a pound off of nickels and dimes. out of the way he came back with a pie. Moving to work with a suit and a tie. I try, you be living the lie. He's soft, can't even look in my eyes. My mother be telling me, lying be safe. She prayed to the Lord as I walk by my faith.